0: So there is a a wake-up call there, right? So Jesus uh, said, don't worry about what goes into our mouths. What really counts is what comes out of our mouths. Our tongues get us into more trouble than I think anything else. Uh, They can be a two-edged sword, right? Um, The message here is purity of intention through our words, our deeds, even our prayers. Sometimes our prayers can have have self-interest. But anyway, I think the message here when you look at our Catholic faith is good works or even actions don't mean anything without the proper intention. I just got one letter and I, I just answered and the person asked about this and I mean, even things that are good that the Bible commands, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, we're getting ready to do that heavily in Lent, can be for no good at all. If, for instance, our prayers are for everything we want, telling God what should happen or what we want to happen, fasting, will it be for the good of the church and the world or for losing weight. Again, a self focus, even alms giving, something as beautiful as giving a donation, but then your parish priest says, "Thank you for the donation," and you say, "Well, don't you going to have something in the bulletin about it? you know we we can lose that intention now, for the Jews, prayer was reciting fixed forms and repetitive words rather than raising one's soul to God. Now, this is important because that's why there's confusion in the Bible about the rosary. People say, don't pray the rosary. It's vain, repetitious prayer. First of all, it's not vain. I can guarantee you that. It's scriptural. That comes from the first chapter of Luke. Everything in the Hail Mary, you've heard my homilies or talks about the Hail Mary, breaking it down. It's all scriptural. Now, repetitious means in the sense that the Jews used to pray more and more words just compounding them because they thought the more number of words they prayed, the more God would hear them. Repetitious prayer is not a bad thing. It's vain repetitious prayer. So when we repeat things, it's right here in the Mass. The angels repeated things. Holy, holy, holy. Oh, can't can't count angels. You repeated holy twice. So, no, we don't look at it that way. But this is what is going on, what comes from the heart. A lot of people say, Father, how much should I pray? You know, one of our priests here used to tell me, if you're busy in ministry and you don't get all your prayers in, because constitutionally we have a lot of prayers, God may be happy with 10 or 15 more minutes, a heartfelt prayer that you go into the chapel and purely surrender to him than two hours of nasal gazing, or just reciting words, not from the heart, from the mouth. This is what Jesus is trying to distinguish here, the heart from the mouth. So why the heart? Why is this so important? Because the heart is the true center to the Jews of, of all morality. It lies in the man's personal decision to make good or evil. It all comes from the heart. So he said, basically our Lord is saying that a decision is shaped in the heart and then is expressed in our words or our actions. Um, this is important because the sins he lists, and we are all guilty of some of those sins. Um, the ones he lists are committed in the heart prior to being acted out. Wow, that's a wake up. You know, this is interesting. I always talk to you guys about my favorite time in life was seminary and I'm bringing you back and, and I had some beautiful scripture classes and um, one of the scripture classes I had, the teacher actually said that this passage that we just read, now you know, I might not think much of it. Jesus just saying it's not what enters the mouth that defiles, it's what comes out. Do you know I had a teacher in seminary that said this is the most revolutionary passage in the New Testament? At first blush, you might not think that. Again, what is it? Food going in, thing, words coming out. What is it? My instructor at seminary said this is the most revolutionary passage in the New Testament. Now, why? I had to go back to my notes. But Jesus showed the irrelevance of traditional Jewish laws. The whole Jewish faith was based on laws. And Jesus just came and made them irrelevant? Now we're talking something serious. Now we're talking something revolutionary. It's one of the reasons Jesus was put to death. He was a revolutionary. And so Jesus showed the irrelevance of some traditional Jewish laws, like hand-washing, compared to the real will of God, the real law of God. He said, basically, rigidness to this traditional law can actually mean you're disobedient to God. Whoa, that's revolutionary. And I think we see this in our world today. If Jesus is saying rigidness to some rule can be disobedience to God, what are we seeing when churches are closed? Because some governor makes a mandate that we can't have our churches open. So we just go ahead and close churches. That's what Jesus is telling us here. Inherence to that kind of rigidness Of man-made laws, it can actually be disobedience to God. I'm just giving you the Lord's words here. This is something we need to think about. No matter how angry you might be at my words right now, is something we need to meditate on. It's in the same. it's, It's in the same vein. God bless the Minnesota bishops. The Minnesota legislatures were saying you must close all your churches. In fact, maybe I'm, I think it was they allowed 10 people at one point in a cathedral that sat sat 1,200 people. They said you could have 10 people in there. So they got the Basilica in Minneapolis and the Cathedral. I've been there. They're two incredibly beautiful churches. They seat over 1,000 people. And the man-made laws of Minnesota said, you can only have 10 people in there, although they seat 1,200. You know what the Minnesota bishops did? This is just fact. God bless them. Because they came forward and said, and they brought evidence of people at the electronic stores. Over 100 people in one Best Buy grabbing the same products off the shelves, touching the same merchandise, And there was over a hundred people in one Best Buy store, but that was allowed. This is not politics. This is following the law of God. We're not saying to be imprudent. We're not saying to not take the medical seriousness of this situation. We are not saying that. We are saying what Christ said. To close our churches, which are the way to eternal salvation, at what cost? Souls. This is what the Minnesota bishops stood up against, and they refused to close their churches. So send your letter that you're going to send to me this week. Send to the Minnesota bishops and thank them. Thank them for caring about your soul. Thank them for being worried about you getting the sacraments of grace. Thank them for having the courage to stand up and say there's something a little hypocritical that a hundred people can be allowed in at Best Buy, and that's legally allowed, but 11 people can't be allowed in a cathedral that sits 1,200. That's an amazing message tied that I believe to this gospel passage today. Very powerful. You know, the temporal, no matter how important it is, we have to be concerned with the temporal well-being. This is absolutely imperative, all right? But more important is our eternal salvation. If we lose sight of our eternal salvation, nothing else is going to matter. They're both important. But you can't sacrifice one for the other. So following some mandate over God's way of salvation in the church is a problem. Following this mandate over your salvation is not the way Christ is teaching us. So this is something we have to important. So let's pray against the pandemic But let's also pray against the fear of the pandemic. And the fear that is causing us to close churches, for instance. You know, Jesus declares that nothing that goes into a man can possibly defile him. Because it's about what comes out of the man. This is not to say that there are not defiling things that can go into us. Hmm, drugs for instance. But in this specific context, Jesus spoke about ceremonial cleanliness in regard to food. No Jew would believe what Jesus was saying. This is why this passage, according to my teacher in seminary, is the most revolutionary passage in the whole Bible. Amazing when you think about it. What my instructor said was that Jesus was basically saying something that no Jew would believe, and that's what the Orthodox Jews don't believe today either. They don't believe this. And so basically, Leviticus, yeah, that has a long list of animals and foods that are unclean and not be, may not be used or eaten. Surprisingly, Jesus was wiping out all of this interesting all of this was being wiped out all these laws for which the jews had suffered and died for what they believed was for their own good nobody's believing that this isn't prudent or good to be concerned about this stuff we have to be but again i keep going back to the words of jesus Don't put it ahead of your salvation. Nothing should go ahead of your salvation. What defiles a person is his own actions. This was new doctrine to the Jews, revolutionary, because they had a list of things that were clean and unclean. But really, it's a summons to be honest and examine our own hearts. You know, when Cain became jealous of Abel, what did God tell him? Cain started getting really jealous of Abel because God picked Abel's sacrifice, remember that? And remember, God said something to Abel, or Cain. He said, guard your heart. This is about the heart. When jealousy and sinful desires start creeping into our heart, how do we respond? Do we entertain them and allow them to entertain us? What do we do? Fortunately, God doesn't leave us alone in this struggle with sinful tendencies, even fear. God always is there if we turn to him, but very few of us, myself included, turn to him in the midst of extreme fear or temptation. And that's the time we most need to turn to him. You know, it was said to me once in a confessional way back in my college days that when you are bombarded with temptations, he said, I want you to do one thing. Can you remember this? The priest told me. So when those temptations are roaring and you are on the edge of the cliff, ready to go over, I want you to do one thing. And then if you give in, you give in. I was like, what? He said, take the time to pray three Hail Marys. Three Hail Marys. No matter what temptation, you want to scream at somebody? You want to look at something improper on the computer? You want to engage in a lustful act? You want to do something to get revenge at somebody? You're just fuming. Those temptations are building in you. You just can't stop yourself. He said, take the time to pray three Hail Marys. And you know, when I remember to do that, almost every time the temptation's gone by the end of, those three, end of those three Hail Marys. It's an incredible little act of grace. Usually it'll be gone by the time you finish. You know, even Faustina, even Faustina, You might say, Father, I can't help these thoughts. I want to crush this person. Um, I want to be impure with this person. I want to yell at this person. I want to do this, this. You know, even Faustina had what she called, quote, and I'm going to have Sean read it. Paragraph 608. Faustina admitted she had absurd thoughts. Even Faustina. We all get them. But she turned to God, and you're going to hear about it in the diary at the end of communion. So to finish, God, through his word and spirit, first brings sin into light, that we may recognize it. Then we must call upon the mercy and grace of God to help us. Only then can we choose to do what is good, good and reject evil. Every outward sin is preceded by an inward act of choice. Remember, the intellect precedes the will. We think about something even for a second before we do it. That's the time to catch it. That's the time to catch it. Jesus begins with the evil thought from which evil action then comes, it's the root cause. And uh, you may have heard this before, but I think it's incredible. I don't remember what saint says. this. one day I got to look this up. He said, watch your thoughts because thoughts turn to words. Watch your words because words turn to actions. Watch your actions because actions develop your habits. And watch your habits because habits determine your character. And watch your character because your character determines where you spend eternity. Whoa, good advice, huh? So now finally to finish, as we always say here at the Marians, don't necessarily give up chocolate for Lent. What about giving up something else that defiles when it comes out, like gossip, changing our behavior? Changing our behavior might be a much better focus for Lent than avoiding beer, for instance, or chocolate. You know, today's February 9th. And it was 1964. What is that? 1964, 58 years ago, that the Beatles hit the United States. Their first show on the Ed Sullivan, Ed Sullivan, yes, Ed Sullivan show. And I wasn't alive then, but I watched clips then of people just frantically fainting. Not just women, men. I mean, it was crazy. And swooning and fainting at what? What came out of the words of the Beatles? What came out of their mouth? If we just stopped to listen to what is coming out of the Word of God and we had half that reaction that we did to the Beatles, think what a different world this would be. If people are fainting and swooning because of the words that come out of the mouth of the Beatles, How much more should we swoon at the word that comes out of the mouth of God? Wow. Praise be to God, and let us continue to trust and be not afraid.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers,